0: and your love for others would be seen and heard. Hey, can you just feel the life in this room? It's exciting. Open up your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. We are in the last letter, single tier. I've loved this series. I've loved studying the churches of Revelation with you, these seven letters. Uh, most folks remember these seven letters. They remember like the first and the last one, especially mostly because of like the cool verses, the memorable verses, like the first one to Ephesus, like, hey, you've lost your first love. Remember that one? And then a lot of folks remember this last letter, this letter to Laodicea, because it's like, behold, I stand at the door and knock, right? Like everyone's for the most part heard those two verses and, and then you kind of like lose it in the middle. Like, oh yeah, there's seven of them. And so we've done our best as a church to to make these letters memorable by liking it to Jesus walking into a home. Because that first letter, it says that Jesus is walking amongst the churches. And uh, in the New Testament, uh, the home is a picture of the church. And so it's like Jesus is walking through the home. So just a short few minutes on review, right? So Jesus Uh, The first letter, he went to Ephesus. It was like he was walking in, and he noticed that the lights were on. They had good Christian Orthodox teaching, but there was no heat in the building, right? You've lost your first love. Um, The second church was Smyrna. This was a suffering church. And it was like God walked in there, and he was like, oh, this house smells so good. It smells like chocolate chip cookies. Why? Why? It was because they were responding so well to the suffering, and Smyrna is this—it's the equivalent to the spice where you crush it, and it gives us the off the aroma of, of good smelling sweet things. The spice would be uh, myrrh. The third church was Pergamum, and we—it was like Jesus walked in with the mom and dad of the house and kind of smelled something a little. What is that? And you looked around and it was, it looked nice, but then you. He walked down in the basement and looked up in the rafters, and there was there was mold in there. And the church slowly let bad doctrine in. And so Jesus, is like, we gotta we gotta clean this out for the health and life of this church. We want you to be clean and pure. Want the teachings and hold on to truth. Uh, the next church was a uh, Thyatira. And this one wasn't as obvious as like the other ones because you know Jesus walked in, looked around, and was like, oh, this is a nice home and things are clean. And then all of a sudden he looked in the corner and there it was, that big old tiger, right? And, and we likened it to maybe a mom and dad saying, yeah, could you babysit my kids? Well, sure, it'll be fine. Everything will be fine. We'll tolerate your kid and your kid will do great here. He'll play mostly over here and we'll just keep the tiger on a leash. And hopefully the kid won't like walk on over there. Right. Right. And that church tolerated a heinous sin in their home. And Jesus was like, You gotta get that tiger out. I mean, come on. This is destroying your church. And he's saying these things because he knows them so well and he loves them. He's like a good coach. He's not gonna let them just shoot the free throw with bad form. He's gonna correct their form so that they can hit a consistent jump shot, right? Fifth church, Sardis. It was like Jesus came up to the front door and and he like, was looking around, and everyone, you remember this? Everyone was sleeping in the front yard because poppies. That's right. Good memory. Poppies. They were lulled to sleep. They were a really busy church. They were like at work doing all these things. You remember Wizard of Oz, like Dorothy and her three buddies and her nice dog. They were running towards the Emerald City, and then oh, something else, something wonderful, right? distracted this church was distracted and so there was a call to wake up and wake up and do the work that I have given you says the Lord Then the next church I mentioned it was Philadelphia this this city had earthquakes and and they were poor and they were they had little power and we said that historians uh, studied this city and this and these people and probably this was the case because they were they were spending all their resources on building up their own homes and their their church and helping the walls not cave in but they were faithful and what were they faithful at god set an open door before them and they told people in their suffering and in their strugglings about jesus they were like so deliberate and intentional and excited this was like the church that, if you could visit any of them, oh, guys, go to Philadelphia. My goodness. You know, like this was a great church. And Jesus was identified at that church as the one who holds the keys, unlocks, and opens and closes the door. Each of these churches, Jesus is given a, an, an identity and, and a, a description. So that those people could be comforted and they could hold on to it and know him more. This week, last letter, probably the most vivid picture of them all. Jesus walks into the house and vomits. So we got to figure out why. Let's go for it. There's five points to this message if you're taking notes. The first one is the character of God, verse fourteen. The character of the church, fifteen to seventeen. Jesus as counselor, verse eighteen. Communion, nineteen and twenty. And then conquerors, twenty-one and twenty-two. So we're we're covering this letter, all these verses, and this is going to be super cheesy, but I don't care. I want you guys to like remember these churches, okay? So the title of the sermon today, it's a letter to Laodicea, so it's Laodicea, <laughs> it's bad, Laodicea, okay, I know, I know, you can give me like one of those like laughs, laughs. go ahead, there we go, all right, that's, that's all I'm looking for, okay, so maybe five or ten years down the road, you'd be like, aha, Laodicea, okay, it's that funny looking pastor, and the text was organized in such a way. This is how the Holy Spirit laid it out. There's still, there's a lot of like C's going on. We learned about his character, about the character of the church, and Jesus as Counselor. And we're talking about conquerors and community. Okay, this is the church where there's all this C stuff going on. Okay, that's the whole, that's the whole reason we're naming it Laodicea. Got it? Let's go ahead and start. Let's go ahead and start with the first one. Point one: the character of God I'll read it for us this is the word of the Lord and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen the faithful and true witness the beginning of God's creation so hopefully you have have uh, caught the theme of the book of Revelation so far this message where the book of Revelation, it's using that word to give this image of revealing. That's why we have these pictures where this curtain is in the background because this revealing is like we're pulling back the curtains and you're seeing something. Most people head on into Revelation go, aha, what he means when you pull back the curtains is we're going to get to see the future. But what we're seeing here in these churches is that we're seeing the very heart of God and we're pulling back the curtains of our own hearts. And God's Word is revealing to us how we can love Him and serve Him more. And hopefully also you've seen that as we pull back these curtains, we're seeing the true hero of this book, and it's Jesus. We're seeing how how each of these introductions revealed something beautiful about Him. And in this one, in this introduction, it just screams to you deity. So if you want to write down one word, write down deity. Let me just proclaim this. Jesus is God. This is a distinctly Christian thing to declare. Look at this. The words of the Amen. So like kids, um, you, you're you like when you were really little, your mom and dad, you probably caught on to this, that when it was time to tuck you in at night or meals or in the morning, whatever, that mom and dad would like kneel by your bedside. And that was the time when you're like, OK, they're closing their eyes. Maybe I should close my eyes, too. And then you're waiting for this thing. And then they say, amen. And you amen. Amen. Right. And it, this is like, OK, this is called prayer's. And at the end of the prayer, you say, Amen. And so you kind of like catch on to that, which the people of God, they pray, and then they say, Amen. And that's how you do it, right? Um, Amen means, so be it. And it refers to how God is in control and how He is behind all human events. Um, So we, we call it, the sovereignty of God because God reigns over all. He knows all. He's in all. He keeps all things together. He holds them together. And so when we pray and we give everything that's going on in our lives to Him, we're saying, You're the King. You reign. Lord, please reign. So be it. But no one really ever starts their sentences with amen, right? No one like talks like that. Like no one says amen, so be it, pass the mustard, right? That would just be weird. Like don't talk like that at the table. No one talks like that except God. Like that is a, a peculiar language unique only to him. Like in the Old Testament It's verbalized, as I live, dot, dot, dot. Like, so be it. This is the truth. Amen. And now I will speak. There's someone else who speaks like that in the New Testament. It's God. It's the second person of the Godhead, Jesus. Jesus says, Amen. And then he speaks. Or, truly, truly. Or in older translations like, like, verily, right? And, and so it's, it's God speaking and whatever He says, whether it stings a little bit or it comforts or whatever, you can take it to the bank because it's trustworthy. So His words that are coming to you right now are so true. They're from God Himself. And He's the faithful and true witness so Jesus is the, is the perfect witness of God. He's like, unlike anyone else in the world, He is the exact representation, the image of God. And it says that He's the beginning of God's creation. And so this guy Jesus was before creation began. He was with God. And He was God. Amen? So be it. So if this guy came into your house, whew, you'd probably pick up your toys. like You'd start like wiping your counters, all that gunk, get it off, and then you would listen to what he had to say. That's his character. Let's listen to what he has to say to this church. Point number two, the character of the church. Verse 15, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Okay, let's talk straight for a minute, okay? I have read this passage my whole life thinking this. Ready? Hot equals awesome, passionate Christian. Cold Equals non-Christian, lukewarm. Hey, buddy, like, get going, get more passionate about Jesus. I just, I wrestled with this text this week, and I couldn't get there anymore. I'm not going to feed you that message today. I I. I couldn't get there for two reasons number one verse 15 says, Would that you either uh, would that you were either cold or hot other translations uh, like the New American Standard says, I wish that you were either cold or hot uh, that's a good translation I Jesus never wishes that people would be non-Christians. I I can't, so I can't feed you that this morning. I was like, oh, I read it wrong for all these years, right? That's first number. That's the first thing is that Jesus doesn't wish people were non-Christians, so he wouldn't say, "I wish that you were cold." So we can't read it like that. And then the other one is that cold Here is used as a positive example. So, just a little bit of history, all right? So, History Channel. The the city of Laodicea was built near the Lycus River, which was muddy and undrinkable, okay? The water was filled with calcium carbonate, which means if they drank it, they would get sick. So, these these smart and hardworking Laodiceans built these water systems. would would pipe in water from outside the town some other from other parts of the country okay and so they looked north to get some hot water so that they could bathe with it okay because ain't nobody like to take cold showers okay and then they looked to the mountains to get cold water because ain't nobody like to drink lukewarm water here's the challenge okay after piping in the hot water after some time it lost its heat. And after piping in the cold water from the mountains, just the traveling process, like it lost its its like its coldness. And so the people of Laodicea hated their water situation. If they drank locally, made them sick. And all the water that they were piping in, get this, was useless. It was useless for bathing. It was useless for drinking. It was useless. Friends, lukewarm doesn't mean lacking passion for God, it means useless. So, why were they lukewarm? What caused this temperature? So let's uh, look at verse seventeen. It's cool in that I don't have to make anything up. Jesus tells us why they're lukewarm. For, so that's a that's a that's a, a identifying word right there. For you say, which we know that from the heart the mouth speaks. So this is the condition of their hearts. They said three things: I am rich, I have prospered and i need nothing not realizing that you are wretched pitiable poor blind and naked so these people were just like their city they were in the lincoln valley and this is about a hundred miles from ephesus this city also just like philadelphia was struck by earthquakes they suffered from this challenge And um, um, the city of Philadelphia accepted money from the Roman government. They accepted money from Caesar to help rebuild. Historians, they've checked out this city, Laodicea. And on most of their buildings that were rebuilt, they found this common phrase. You want to know what it was? By ourselves. They rejected... Any help from Caesar from the Roman Empire? They said, uh uh, we're rich. We got this. We're doing this by ourselves. We don't need any help from anyone. We are our own benefactor. We don't need anyone else. So they were known for their great wealth. This city in particular, they were known for their medical advancements, especially in optometry. Uh, they were known for their nice textiles they had really like nice clothes nice things and so their attitude at the end of the day was we got this it made them feel good about themselves like they were something and they could do things on their own and jesus goes after the very things they depended on he said you're poor You're blind! You're naked! I'm exposing everything right now. You are saying, I don't need God. Their attitude is like their water. And it makes God sick. I think God uh, would have this letter to Laodicea test the waters of Little Miami. The people here. Let's let's take just these three things that Jesus calls out to his church. Let's take let's take money. Right? Do you budget? Do you spend without the Lord in mind? Like is he far from your mind when it comes to money? That would be an indication where in your heart you're going, I don't really need you, God. With health Like the Laodiceans, they were just like, yeah, we got this. We got the best doctors. We got the best hospitals. If if my eyes are struggling, I'll just go see the doctor. It's not a spiritual issue. Is health solely a physical matter for you? Your workout patterns, your supplements, your doctors. If you're having knee surgery, but not getting on your knees and going to God then in your heart you're saying, I don't need the Lord. I'm living in luxury. I have all that I need. Clothes. <laughs> this one seems silly, but it, it, it's a reality, right? Like, I don't know of anyone who comes out and says, yeah, I don't need God. I've got nice clothes. But have you ever thought this in your heart? Ah, if I wear this, I think Maybe people will think I'm cool, right? Or, oh, maybe I shouldn't wear that because I won't make friends as easily. And suddenly, you've fallen into the trap, the thought process, the heart condition of the Laodiceans where you can control your outcome. And with regards to relationships, you depended on clothes instead of God. This is lukewarm. I wonder, I wonder if the, the people of the little Miami River Valley are like Laodicea. Do you like to feel self-sufficient? Would you rather not trust God? Is dependence on the Lord a drag and a disappointment? Discouragement rather than delight. And delighting in your very own design to be needy for Him. This is the dependence. The beautiful process of walking with God that God loves. And these people hate it. And this is what causes God to vomit. And the product of having this heart attitude is uselessness. So praise God, the letter doesn't just stop there. Amen? Oh my word, if it just stopped there, let's just shut it down and like let our shoulders just fall to the ground. But it doesn't. Watch Jesus. This is beautiful. He gives us His hand and He helps us out of this hole that we're in, Jesus, point three, as counselor. You see that word counsel? He says, I counsel you. Let me read it for us. Verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire that so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Look at that. Deliberate images Jesus uses. Hey, you're the center for banking. Hey, you're the center for textile trade. Hey, you're the center for like medical school stuff to treat blindness. You think you have everything? You need Me! You think you have everything? Come to Me! Hear Me! It's the pride that is nauseating to Jesus not their spiritual need. And so Jesus offers to them and to us as a great counselor something, actually look at it, that money can't buy. You can't find at the medical schools and that you can't find at the marketplace. You see, these people thought that their culture was the center of everything, and Jesus says I'm the center if you come to me there are treasures that far outweigh what whatever this earth can provide to you so this is our gospel route right, right here if you're not a christian this really cue into this if you're a christian Be mindful, be aware, let your hearts be awakened to the realities of the gospel that happened when you came to Christ and that continue to happen now. Like, this is our gospel that Jesus makes the spiritually bankrupt rich in Him. Like, He takes off your wretched rags of sin and He clothes you with white garments of righteousness. Praise God in His kindness. He exposed your spiritual nakedness and your need for Him, and He grants to you a life that you don't have to be ashamed about anymore. It's beautiful. He gives you a Gospel that is true. You can believe in It's so robust that Romans says, and we're going to see in a couple of weeks, you don't have to be ashamed about, for it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. It's just... Awesome, He gives you eyes to see and He gives you ears to hear. Do you see this, people? Do you, do you see this, friends, family, brothers and sisters in Christ? This, this is our Gospel. He is the Amen. He is God. And if that weren't enough, He goes on, right? He goes on. Watch how much love Jesus is about to lavish you with. Verse 19. Those whom I, what? I know, isn't that great? Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. He says, hey, I'm calling you out. I'm doing this because I love you. So come out of your arrogance, people. Come out of your pride and repent and turn from your ways. Turn from your self-sufficiency and turn to me in dependence. Don't be dependent upon yourselves. Turn to me and rely, trust on, in me. So repentance, friends, is the key that unlocks this door. And he doesn't—he doesn't give us a timeout. He doesn't just like send us to our room to figure it out ourselves. He disciplines us, and he calls us to repentance. What a great model for us, even in parenting. He invites restoration and relationship. And it doesn't even stop there. Watch this. Point four. Communion. Here we go. Verse number 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. So remember, we learned that Jesus opens the doors and he has the keys. And now he's at the door and he's calling. And whoever he calls, that person will open the door. I mean, don't you start thinking right now. Don't slip back into the Laodicean way of thinking. Don't go, yeah, yeah, yeah. He called, but I had the strength to open the door. That's the way of the Laodiceans. God opens the doors. He starts. He finishes salvation. He's in charge. Now watch this reversal coming. Here we go. Okay, Jesus. At first, it's like he drinks this church and goes blah, spits them out. Now he's in, he he wants to come in and eat with them and sip on some wine and enjoy them. Watch this. This is what we call in Christianity, relationship this whole like communion with god thing like we talk to him and he responds we declare our needs we tell him our insufficiencies we meet with him we confess that we're looking for treasures elsewhere and we need help and he helps us be our be like have our only treasure be found in him it's beautiful he fills our hearts with the love of christ As our greatest treasure. Uh, yesterday, Yesterday, I was trying to figure out how to explain this verse to my people, right? The people that the Lord has entrusted me with. Hannah and I woke up early and we went on a bike ride. It was a busy week. I'm sure you guys all had busy weeks with school and athletics and things like that. We were running all over the place with practices and things like that. And Saturday morning, we woke up, went on a bike ride and we just enjoyed each other. We were just with each other. It was just us, and we just we rode on the bike trail. And we just liked being with each other, right? As a husband, and as I have these, like, tasks and things in my mind, like I had budgets going on and future things. You know, like, I, I was tempted to, like, talk, get off. But you know what? The, the Spirit gave me just the power to be like, I just want to be with Hannah and that's the heart of what Jesus is doing right here like that's what he's saying to us he's like i just want you to enjoy me it's not this hey i want you to depend on me for your tasks and your stuff and then i'll like answer those prayers and ah, and it's just this like trans- transactional cold exchange he's like i want to come in i want to be with you and, and you with and me, and let's enjoy each other. It's a beautiful reversal. I want you to depend on me so that you can enjoy me. And then we see the other great reversal in this passage. We go from useless, watch this, to conquerors. Last verse. So Jesus' death on the cross and His resurrection from the grave was a declaration of victory. He won. He beat sin and death. He conquered in this life too, you need to know. Like Jesus, he, when He was living, He conquered temptation. Like when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Like He didn't, he didn't try to be someone He wasn't. He was honest towards God and he lived like God is God. Like he went to the cross. He submitted himself, not my will, but thine. Like he didn't grasp for his rights, Philippians 2 says. He didn't act like he didn't need anything. He didn't just like, I'm just going to trust myself in this situation. Like he went to the Lord, he depended on him. And because He did that, God granted Him the reward of King. And He shares that same throne with us. So the one who communes with God, Jesus, He now communes with us and grants us reigning rights. Verse 21, the one who conquers... I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on His throne. Isn't that beautiful? This text comes full circle. A person who needs God and declares his dependence upon Him for salvation from his sins and depends on Him continually for just daily living. This person is used in this life for Kingdom work. like He gets to take part in the ministry of God now. Isn't that beautiful? The weak are used in the Kingdom of God. And through that process, they're made strong. And that's what Revelation is saying even in in chapter 1. Don't go there. Let me just read it for you. It says, "...to Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood, and made us a kingdom. Priests to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He's saying the same thing. So if you have an ear to hear, hear it. This is what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You don't have to be useless. You don't have to be lukewarm. You must depend on Him. And in that dependence, delight in the process and you'll be used by Him. Three things to close our time. Here we go. Number one, the earthquakes of life will come. Okay? So don't be the guy or girl that says, I've got this. Right? Don't be the husband that says, Hey, babe. Hey, we're going to do this by ourselves. We'll figure it out. Don't be that guy. Be the guy that says, Hey, sweetheart, let's pray. We need God. Okay? So the earthquakes will come. Depend on Him. Number two, commune with Him. Uh, what do you mean, Newman? That's still too lofty, too theological. Okay, All right. I know. Okay, so invite Him into your dependence okay? Dependence isn't like this failure, like, I got to depend on him now, right? Like, enjoy him in the process of trusting him. Meet with him, all right? Like, the quick of it would be find some, something that, you're tr- that you have to trust him with in your life right now. I know that everyone can think of it like this, right? And don't say, ah, oh, man, I can't wait till that's over. Oh, i got to trust them until this is over. And then, and then what will you say? The Laodiceans, the Laodiceans would say, well, I'll trust Him until it's over. Finally, I can get my life back then. You hear it? That's lukewarm. That's the path to be useless for God. But if you would open and invite Him into your struggles and say, I need you, I'm depending on you, and I want to know you more in the process, that's the guy, that's the girl that God wants to use. All right, number three. Do the work of the true witness. Dot, dot, dot. Be hot and cold. And this is, again, I mean, I just love this text. I love the reversals and how it's full circles, because the true witness... And your call as you witness of Jesus is to be hot and cold. What does that mean, Newman? This week, you might be the cleansing, the washing hot water that someone needs as you witness to someone about Christ. Like, That's what His Word does. It washes. It cleanses. And He uses you. So be the healing waters. Be hot. Be cold this week. Be cold. Be the refreshing waters that the Spirit brings. Like this week, you might have the opportunity to to like present the living waters that could bring such refreshment to someone. It's beautiful. Be refreshing, Christians. Christians. And guess what? If there was a little bit of insecurity when I just said that, if there was a little bit of fear, if there was a little bit of intrepidation, or like, I'm a little scared, all right that's where jesus wants you that's where he wants you to be to go like i feel about 51 percent confident and like, that's right and i'm going to use you right or 49 percent, or you know don't analyze the percentages right yeah. right like do you, if you feel weak then then that's where he wants you to just go oh would you use me lord i don't know what to say i don't know how to say it hi Cold, Lord, I just I don't want to be useless. I want to be used. I'm trusting you. That's why I think Galatians 2:20 is like the summation of the Christian life. I'll read it. Let's love it, and we'll pray and be done. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ. Who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Father, through your Son and by your Spirit, that you would make us hot and cold. Lord, help us reject the attitude of self sufficiency. Lord, help us turn away from our pride. We don't want to be lukewarm. We trust you. Would you help us? And we thank you for Jesus who by His blood, by the cross, by the grave that He rose from, that He beat all that. He beat all our junk, all our insufficiencies and everything, and He paid the price to God and granted us righteousness that we may be righteous and walk in righteousness. We thank you for Jesus. So we celebrate him now and we lift our voices and we sing and we, 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 we declare our trust in the cross. Would you help us in every area of our life this week? Trust you. Help mom and dad lead in the home. Help them identify um, challenges within their children and help them just train them up to look to God in tr- independence and trust. Lord, help spouses, wives, husbands. Lord, help sons and daughters with their with their parents. Help grandparents. Lord, help us all walk with you. We're excited to see how you use our state of dependence this week in the lives of others. Would you stand with us and let's sing to the Lord.